Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiva, and it's great to be with you here on this wonderful afternoon. One week to Purim. That's it. The Purim excitement is in the air. And boy, do we feel it here at Chabad House headquarters in Johannesburg at our activity center here, Chabad Savoy, where we run the Chabad Seniors programs. And we have our Chabad Kids programs. Rabbi Pink was just in the office here. We're getting the Shalach Manis packets prepared. And if you walk in here, it's like a factory now. Thousands of Shalach Manis being packed for senior citizens, for the young, for the young at heart, and everyone in between. As we do every week, we have our food distribution program, and we're getting ready for our Mashiach campaign, which on Sunday, please God, we will all together welcome Mashiach. And so, this is our Purim excitement in the air right here at Chabad, and hopefully you're feeling it in your own home as well, getting ready for Purim. Now, for many of us, especially the young at heart, the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Purim is... Fancy dress. It's the day that we get to dress up as an astronaut or your favorite superhero. I know one of my kids is dressing up as, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this out loud, but I don't know if they're listening. They're probably in class. One is dressing up as Mr. Pringleman. Another one is dressing up as a minion. Another one dressing. Each one is doing their thing, masquerading around town. And, you know, in the past, we only put the mask on in Purim. And this year, we've been wearing our masks a whole year. And some people think, well, what's so unique about Purim? Be it as it may, Purim is here. And last year, if you recall, Purim was the super spreading time, at least overseas. And so we have to be that much more careful this Purim. Follow the guidelines and the rules that are being presented to us by the community officials who are here to protect us. And let us know that we could celebrate Purim, just make sure to do so in a safe way. For example, at our school in Sandton Central... We are doing a drive-in Purim event. And of course, anyone's welcome to join us if you would like. We'll have some virtual events. And as part of the Chabad Seniors program, I myself, along with volunteers will be helping, will be visiting various retirement facilities. And in fact, if you want to make sure that your retirement facility is included, then please reach out to me. You can reach, you can find me at Chabad House. Just call Chabad House or email me or phone me or WhatsApp me and let me know if you want me to come to your retirement facility. And if I can't come personally, we'll try to delegate to one of our dozens of dedicated, committed volunteers who help out with our programs to come read the Megillah and bring the joy of Purim to wherever you are. That's what we want to do. And considering this year's unique Purim circumstances, we want to make sure that no one is left out. Purim is always a time when the kids have lots of fun and indeed, it is a holiday when the kids should not be neglected or forgotten in any way. But of course, we have to remember that not only the young, but the young at heart should be part of the Purim festivities as well. So the let's spend some time today talking about, and um, you're welcome to send your questions through, and let's talk about some of the customs of Purim so you make sure that next week, this time, you're all ready for Purim. So if it's a fancy dress that you need, go ahead, spend the next couple of days making it. My kids are making their own fancy dress or go out and buy a costume. Remember always the confusion about costume. In America, costume is what we wear as fancy dress to masquerade on Purim. Here I discovered costume 
you know, you don't want to dress up in your costume on Purim per se, because for those who aren't South African listening in, costume here refers to bathing suit. Anyways, the the where does the custom even of of, of wearing costumes on Purim come from? There are many customs of Purim, and I'm going to try to to discuss as many of them as possible, and maybe we could even talk about the costume on Purim. But if you look in the Megillah, you actually don't find any explicit mention of Batman or Superman or Minyan or any of the other fancy dress costumes that people come up with. So where did that come from? What the Megillah does give us actually is a concise encapsulation of four special mitzvahs, four practices that we do that are observed on Purim. And these mitzvahs, they are what constitute the halachic dimension of Purim as was originally established by Mordechai and Esther. And those are clearly written in the Megillah. Now, besides for the ones in the Megillah that I mentioned, which are the four ends that we'll discuss, which specifically offhand, uh, they are Mishlach, Manos, Megillah, Mishteh, which is the feast, as well as Matanas Levyonim. Did we mention all four? Again, Mishnah, the feast, Matanas Levyonim, giving gifts to the poor, Mishlach, Manos, food gifts, and Megillah, reading the Megillah on Purim. So you got the four M's, it's a good mnemonic to remember it. Besides for that, those are the ones that are mandated within the Megillah. We know there's a couple of others. For example, we read from the Torah on Purim morning. We say the Alanisim prayer both at night and day. And we're not allowed to fast on Purim, nor to deliver eulogies, God forbid, in the event of a funeral. But the specific ones that are mentioned in the Megillah are the four M's, and that is to have a meal. To give matanot levyonim charity. To give mishlach manos food. And Megillah to read the Megillah. And if you are a senior citizen affiliated with our Chabad Seniors programs, or if you aren't yet, then reach out to us. And we're going to try to get the Shalach Manas package out to all seniors in Joburg. Make sure nobody's neglected or forgotten. We're going to try to get all these sets out there. By the way, if you want to be a volunteer to deliver Shalach Manas for us, well, all you got to do is have a smile behind your mask and reach out because our volunteers are not just delivery people. We want you to actually interact with others, with the senior citizens, especially those who aren't getting out there, who can use a cheerful face, a little bit of interaction with social distance and to make sure to uplift the seniors you come in contact with. So let me know if you really want to be a volunteer. We're looking for more volunteers so we can reach more people. Let me know if you want to be a volunteer. There's so many ways you can volunteer. You can volunteer from your own home by making phone calls. Did you know that we at Chabad here are facilitating nearly a 1,000 phone calls a week, reaching out to many isolated seniors who are still in quarantine? Do you know that there are so many senior citizens in our community who actually have not left their home in nearly a year or if they're leaving it's only for essentials, hardly interacting with other people? Well, I have social workers and others who, who I discussed this with, and I'm aware of so many such people. And anyone here, anyone in the community can easily be such a volunteer to pick up the phone once a week. We'll give you a list of 10 people, 20 people, as many as you can handle, 
And these will be your adopted seniors. You call and just check in on their well-being once a week and report back to us if there's anything of note that we should, that I as the rabbi should be aware of and uh, speak with them with about in person. So we'll talk more about the customs of Purim when we'll be right back in a moment. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiefman, and today we're talking about Purim, just one week away. So get yourself ready. Get into the Purim spirit. We're in the month of Adar. You have to be joyous, happy, celebratory. This is the most jubilant month of the year. Of course, as we say, Carpe Diem, every day should be, but let's focus on today. We're in the month of Adar, we're one week to Purim, and we're discussing here what activities we at Chabad are doing to bring to the community. We're going to have some virtual events, but of course, there are four specific mitzvahs of Purim that you shouldn't forget. These are explicitly written in the Megillah. And those are the four M's, easy to remember, the mnemonic, Mishlach Manos, Megillah, Matanos Levyonim, and what was the fourth one? <laughs> Mishteh, make sure to have. Those four, Mishlach Manas, where you're giving gifts of food to your friends. Matanas Levyonim, you are giving gifts to the poor. Megillah, make sure you hear the Megillah. It's actually a double M, Mikra Megillah. And Mishlach Manas, also a double M, foods and gifts, foods of gifts to your friends. Matanas Levyonim, giving gifts to the poor. And finally, Mishteh is a feast. And there are a lot of halachic implications about it this year, considering that this year, uniquely, Purim is on Friday or Shabbos. You want to make sure to have your meal early. Some shuls are going to do boxed meals in the afternoon. Be part of it. Celebrate Purim. Even if you're not going out, make a plan to at least hear the Megillah somewhere. Make sure you celebrate Purim. We are sick of the sickness. We are sick of the disease. We are sick of this pandemic. And that's why there's the greater M that is Mashiach we're praying for. And this Sunday, there's going to be a community-wide prayer for Mashiach. You want to be part of this. Don't miss out. Be part of the Purim celebrations. And of course, Mashiach comes. We won't have to worry about pandemics and sickness. And if we're not yet in redemption by then, well, at least make sure that you're able to fulfill the mitzvahs of Purim. And of course, the four special mitzvahs of Purim are there to help us experience and celebrate and be in a more festive, celebratory atmosphere of Purim. By doing these things, when you hear the Megillah, you're able to recall the entire narrative, the entire story of the holiday, and remember the miracles that God performed for our ancestors back then, and the many times since then. So this is what Purim is about, to celebrate, to recall the miracles, to get into that joyous spirit, and we we pay it forward by being generous, by bringing gifts of goodwill to our friends and giving gifts to strangers that we don't even know who are less privileged than we are. That's the generosity of Matanat Lavion giving gifts to the poor. Now just think about it. What actually makes these mitzvahs so special? <laughs> don't we do these all year? I mean, don't we just think about this idea? Are we not supposed to be caring about others year-round? Think about it. Every Jewish holiday has some kind of extra spirit of festivity. Of course, right? you got to be joyous and celebratory. And Yom Tev and the Torah, in fact, tells us about, about Sukkot and Shavuos, 
you should be joyous on your holiday. You should be only happy. Every Yom Tov has its special mitzvah. If I, if I think of, if I tell you matzah, you know that Pesach is actually five weeks away. Time to book your Pesach retreat. Get away. Or get yourself ready at home for Pesach, right? If I show you a lulav or a sukkah, what do you think of? Of course, you think of sukkahs, right? If you see a menorah on the street, what, do you, what festival are you going to think of? Hanukkah, right? Shofar. Rosh Hashanah. These aren't just uh, arbitrary symbols that's somehow affiliated with some kind of ritual or custom. The mitzvahs, these symbols represent essential aspects of each of those holidays. They're like the, the festive icon of the holiday because matzah is a mitzvah of Pesach. Sukkah and Lulav are the mitzvahs of Sukkot. Hanukkah is celebrated by lighting the menorah. Right? So each festival has its unique, specific ritual, custom, symbol that represents that holiday. But what about Purim? You know, obviously you might be thinking, I don't know, graggers or... Uh, or fancy dresses we talked about before, but those are actually not even mandated. Those are post-Purim era additional customs. And they're, they're, they're nice things that we make noise when we hear Pur- Haman's name mentioned and we get dressed up because that symbolizes the, the idea that's expressed that we don't, Adelah Yada, that we shouldn't know the difference between blessed as Mordechai and cursed as Haman. So by dressing up, you sort of, you masquerade also. There's another symbolism of dressing up that we'll discuss more about, hopefully, the idea that when you do, that the whole story of Purim was, was camouflaged in the laws of nature. But the four mitzvahs that are specifically mentioned in the Megillah, the ones we talked about, the four M's, Mishlach, Manot, Matanat Levyoni, Megillah, and Mishta having a feast, if they, there's nothing really unique, outstanding about them. I mean, aren't they all just slightly souped up versions of stuff that we already do? Just, you know, let's, let's take a, let's analyze each of those things, right? Let's, let's look at the, remember the M's? Cause that's the best way for, best way to create a mnemonic in our minds to recall each one. Okay, let's start with Mikra Megillah, reading the Megillah. Yes, we only read Megillah's Esther once a year on Purim, or actually twice, night and day. But is reading from a scroll really that unusual? <laughs> we, we do it actually every week. We read Mondays and Thursdays in Shul, we read from the Torah. And in some Shuls like mine, we're actually doing it twice on Monday and Thursday, besides for Shabbos because we're accommodating those people who couldn't hear the Torah reading in the morning. I know it's not the usual custom, but it's a way of helping people who aren't getting to show in the mornings these days due to COVID. We're reading eating in the afternoon at Mincha. And then there is Shabbos. We read the Torah twice, right? So it's not so unique to read. And, and even the Megillah reading, there's, I mean, on the sad days, you think about uh, Tisha B'Av, we read Megillah's Eicha. And then on, on Shavuos, we read Megillah Shavuos. And on, Kohel, on, on, on Sukkot, we read Kohelet, Ecclesiastes. And on Pesach, we read Shir Hashirim, the Song of Songs in many shuls. So what is so unique about reading the Megillah on 
Purim. What makes it so special? And, you know, think about it. Some, I recall, I'm trying to recall where it is, but it's written somewhere that the Megillah is the, is, is the substitute for Halal. We don't say Halal and Purim, but we do read the Megillah, and on the festivals we say, but if that's the case, we also say Halal on Rosh Chodesh. We also say Halal on, on all the Yom Tevs and on Hanukkah. So, is there really anything truly unique about Megillah reading on Purim? Now just think about that. Let's talk about the other ones for a moment. What's the next thing that comes to mind? Mishlach Manus, right? Food gifts. There aren't really any other times that we're specifically told to give food to other people. But just think about this, I, this mitzvah. Besides for seeing it in the Megillah. I mean, do you not have, not COVID times, but other times, have friends over to have a Shabbos meal together, a Sunday afternoon tea or something? You know, it's, it's something that promotes friendship, camaraderie, unity, community, love. So what's unique about Purim? We try to share our life. Or our joie de vie, the joy of life, with friends whenever we can and it's safe to do so. So yes, it is a mitzvah mentioned in the Megillah about Purim. But the idea of Avas Yisrael, to love your fellow Jew, is not something that's specific to Purim. It's a year-round idea. It's something we're always meant to do to promote friendship amongst our fellow friends and neighbors. So although it's a specific instruction of Purim, again, I'm not sure what's so unique about it. And then think about the same thing, Matanas Labyanum giving gifts to the poor. Yesterday, I gave a shear about the mitzvahs of charity. In fact, this week's Parsha Teruma is about the mitzvah of donating towards the maintenance of the tabernacle, which is one aspect of charity. And of course, there's the idea of tzedakah. It's not just charity. Tzedakah means doing what's right, what's just, caring for others. It's the most fundamental of Jewish concepts. We give tzedakah every day. In fact, we're encouraged to have a, a pushka inside our kitchen and office and bedroom so that we're constantly accustomed to caring and being sensitive to other people. So what's so unique about this about Purim? Why do we have a specific mitzvah, Purim, Atanas, Lavyonim, giving gifts to the poor? It's a year-round Jewish thing. And then the feast, the Mishnah. You tell me which Jewish holiday is complete without food. And it would seem like there's, you know, we eat every day. And oftentimes, nice big meals. Kananara. So why, what makes it so special and unique to Purim that all of a sudden we're having a particularly, you know, this is one of the mitzvahs that we have to have a meal on Purim it seems somewhat generic. You could do this any day, and especially every Jewish holiday has a meal to it. And like we said before, besides for the meals and celebrations, all of these things we're meant to do actually before every single Jewish holiday to care for others. Yes, tzedakah is a mitzvah every day, but before each Yom Tov, you're going to certainly see campaigns coming out in the next week or so, you know, to help the, all the organizations that give out matzah and food to the poor for Purim and for Pesach. And every holiday we do that. Every holiday we have a meal. 
Every holiday we read something uniquely related to the holiday. Every holiday we're going to have a meal, right? So we go through all four of these mitzvahs and they all seem that there's nothing specifically unique about them. And I'm not talking about the icon of, of, a, of a grogger because, or, because that's a custom. I'm talking about the mitzvahs related to each holiday. There's always something that's iconically symbolic of that holiday. Yet Purim seems to have these generic things that we're sort of just making a bigger deal about. And I really want to talk about this because, you know, the traditions we keep on Purim really don't necessarily seem different from the other holidays. But that's precisely the point I wanted to illustrate. Our four mitzvahs, are, they, they, they aren't different what we do a whole year. What's different about them is the, the degree that we perform this mitzvah. Okay, and that's why let's look at the same mnemonic of the, let's go through these four mitzvahs once again. And let's see what makes it unique about Purim. Sure, we read from the Torah scroll every Monday, Thursday, Shabbos, Yom Tif, But unlike any other festival on Purim, we read it twice by night and by day. Not just for COVID reasons. This is specifically for Purim, the way we celebrate. There's no other time of the year that we read the Torah at night. Yes, some do maybe on some Torah, but it's not universal. Universal is Megillah that's read at night. Again, let's look at the Mishlach Manas, giving gifts to others, or Matanas Levyan, giving gifts to the poor. Of course, we are charitable and cultivating relationships and love throughout the year to, to, to generate our friendship with neighbors and friends. But there's nothing specifically urgent about it. Here on Purim, it's particularly a mitzvah. So yes, while we have to give charity and create that friendship year-round, on Purim, it is a mitzvah. It's actually a double mitzvah to do so on Purim. Mishlach Manas isn't even limited to the needy in the first place. You have to give food to anyone. Give to your neighbor, give to anyone. And the same thing, Matanas Lavyanim, here, you are specifically required to set money aside, even if there aren't any poor people in your neighborhood. Halavai is such a thing. And there's an emphasis. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow, yesterday, next week, next month. The Mishtrach Manas, we're supposed to give something that is actually ready to eat without the need for any preparation. You can't give somebody a raw steak for Shalach Manas. The Mishrach Manas has to be something they can eat right away. And obviously, the mitzvah of Hatanas Lavyanim is not fulfilled with only finding and giving charity to a poor person. What's the mitzvah? It's plural, matanos levyonim, to find at least two. It's in the plural. And of course, we are encouraged to do more than usual. In fact, the Talmud says, whoever extends their hand, give to them. You don't need to have that discretion, the calculation. Obviously, you have to give within your means or a little bit beyond your means but it's the one day a year that we're encouraged to give more, to give more liberally, without conditions, no strings attached. Anyone who stretches out their hand, give to them. 
So you see that these are emphasized in Purim. And let's think about the Mishnah, the meal, particularly this year where you have to do so earlier on in the day. Now, even if it's true that we always like to have a nice hearty meal, and sometimes our, our dinners are always like that. For me personally, breakfast and lunch, who knows about? But dinner, ah, God bless my wife. She's making me put on good weight because she makes good food. And people love to come for the Shabbos meals for that reason. Now, Purim, we're specifically told we have to have a, a festive, joyous meal. You want to, you want to do intermittent fasting? Every day of the year, besides for Shabbos Yom Tov, okay. On Purim, we have to make sure to eat more, to enjoy more, to celebrate more. In fact, even the drinking part of the Mishnah is supposed to be a little bit more out of control. This is part of the halachas, the laws related to Purim. You drink more than usual. Okay, that's a separate discussion, a debate. Somebody just sent me a message. Apologies, I'm going to read it out loud. Um... You know, drinking is, it shouldn't be encouraged. I'm not encouraging drinking. Don't worry. We are, all I'm saying is, yes, I'm Purim. Drink a little, at least a little bit more. From the Talmud's perspective, you shouldn't be able to tell the difference between Mordechai, Baruch Mordechai, blessed be Mordechai, and cursed as Haman, or Haman. Now, if you can't handle your drinks and you get violent or can't control yourself, then don't. But of course, we see how the mitzvahs of Purim are different. They're not the same. What we do is we do things, yes, these are things we usually do, but on Purim, everything is turned up to 11. A little more extreme, a little bit crazier. Which, discuss with you just now, as soon as we're back, talk a little bit about why. Why do we have to celebrate Purim in that more joyous way? IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiedman. Great to be with you here this wonderful afternoon. And today we are talking about the customs, celebrations, festivities of Purim. And the question we left off with was, what was so unique about Purim? These are things we do year-round. And what I answered and explained was, yes, these are things you do year-round. But on Purim, we up it a bit. We bring it up to the next degree. We try to do what we can to turn it up. Do it a little bit more, more extreme, a little crazier, a little wilder. Purim is about celebration. And the thing is that, yes, of course, every holiday has its own unique set of practices, its own unique themes, but there's something different about the mitzvahs of Purim. Now, what do these things have to do with Purim? What is you know, if we say we're just upping it up a notch, how do the four mitzvahs make Purim Purim? And the thing is, we have to understand what is the purpose of any Jewish holiday. And to understand why we commemorate as we do, we first have to understand just what it is that we are commemorating. The real focus of our Purim celebration has a lot less to do with the historic events of the Purim miracle than you might think. And we have to understand Purim is unique as its own holiday. You know, if we think of each holiday, every holiday commemorates days in the past, 
special events that occurred, like Pesach remembering our exodus from Egypt, and Shavuos commemorating God's giving us the Torah at Mount Sinai, and each festival recalling its specific theme, remembering the miracles that occurred and giving thanks to God. But in Hasidus, we learn that every Jewish holiday is expressive of some deeper spiritual reality. Every year on the anniversary of that original event, those spiritual realities, the energies, the themes, the concepts, whatever you want to call them, they come, they, they blossom, they, they all of a sudden have a, a new energy that is relevant today more than ever before. And this is what the holiday is really celebrating. Not just an event that happened long ago in the past, but what's happening again this year. And uniquely this year. And so the same is with Purim. We're not just recalling, commemorating, celebrating what happened to Mordechai and Esther and all the others in, in, the, in the Megillah story and our ancestors long ago. That's just nostalgic. Here we're talking about something much deeper. There's an aspect of the Purim story that remains relevant to us today. And it's the reason that the miracle occurred in the first place. So these mitzvahs that we do to observe, to celebrate the holiday, are actually expressions of something much deeper. And this is something that the Talmud even discusses, that the day of Purim, the Talmud says, is even greater than the day the Torah was given. Think about it. The day of Purim, not just the historic once-off event of Purim, but when we celebrate Purim each year, the Gemara saying it's as great as Shavuos, the day we celebrate God's giving us the Torah, the most monumental event you can think of in Jewish history. So what is the Talmud trying to say? I mean, Shavuos, we'll get there. We'll celebrate that festival when, when that comes to, you know, when, when the time comes around. What's the connection to Purim? Why does the Talmud choose to say that Purim is greater than the day God gave us the Torah? What about Pesach? What about Rosh Hashanah? What's the comparison to Purim that's specifically related to Matan Torah? And in order to understand that, let me share with you, again, another very fascinating insight from the Talmud. The Gemara says that when God gave us the Torah at Mount Sinai, that the Jews stood under the mountain, at the foot of the mountain. And the Talmud says this teaches us that, metaphorically speaking, God overturned the mountain it says, Kafa Alem Har Kigigis, like a, like a, like a cask. And God made them an ultimatum. Either you accept the Torah, or else, Shamti Akhuraschem, there you'll be buried. Says the Talmud. From there, from this, um, from this incident, from this event, it sort of implies that we were coerced to get the Torah. But the Gemara concludes that when we, when the story of Purim took place, 
Hakimu the Kiblu Hayahudim, the Jews confirmed and took upon themselves as we say in the Megillah, Kimu Mashikiblu Kfar, the Gemara says, they confirmed what they already accepted long ago. What does this mean? What does it mean? I mean, did God um, behave mobster-like with them? What's happening? How does this make sense? Why would God threaten them to accept the Torah? Isn't this something that we should want to accept? I mean, acceptance. We said Nasev and Ishma. We said we're going to do this. Why does the Talmud give this peculiar kind of explanation and that we only accepted the Torah properly? When the story of Purim, what does it have to do? Well, the story of Matan Torah can only be understood really in its historical context. You think about after what over 200 years in Egyptian slavery, a horrific persecution, the, the, the suffering that the Jews endured then, that our ancestors who were slaves. And finally, Moshe Rabbeinu appears on the scene. And over the next few months, what happens? The ten plagues, the Egyptians are brought to their heels. They're begging us to leave. You think about all the wonders and miracles that occurred. And the Jews finally leave Egypt with extraordinary miracles and wonders. And then comes the splitting of the sea and all the other events that occurred there in the, in the wilderness. Everything that's going on, it's a story with all the trappings of a fairy tale. And that is actually precisely the problem. Because we need to understand what's this all about? What's the big deal? And why it took to the story of Purim for everything to come into place. We'll be right back. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here at 101.9. Hi, FM, I'm Rabbi Ari Kivan, and today we're talking about the celebration of Purim that's just one week away. And we left off before with a peculiar Talmudic statement that God sort of coerced us into receiving the Torah. And the Talmud sort of explains that it wasn't a coercion. Of course we said, Nasev and Ishma, of course we said, we'll do, we'll obey, we'll do everything God says. You know, who could resist an offering that God is giving us such an opportunity? How could they say no? It's impossible to do that when, when God's offering you, God took care of you, God rescued you from your bondage, from your slavery. But that was sort of, you know, there was no, there was no choice but to say yes. But now, as time goes on and they experience the Torah and all of its teachings, the idea comes into clearer focus that they experienced God's love in their life. And they came to ex- they came not just to accept the Torah on God's terms, but all of a sudden when we start to appreciate the giving of the Torah. So let's try to understand that what is it that makes Purim even greater than Shavuos, as the Talmud seems to imply. What does Purim have to do? What does even Purim have that Shavuos does? The truth is it has nothing. Purim has a whole lot less than Shavuos. What, do, what, what does Purim have? But you know they say less is more, right? Sometimes 
when something is 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 uh, how would you say it? When you don't have all the glitz and glamour and all that shining excitement, all the fireworks, that is what happened with Purim. And of course, we have to understand, you know, the Purim story, if we could quickly try to recap and understand what happened in the Purim story and why it's compared to Shavuos in that sense. If you just go to that time, when did Purim happen? After the destruction of the first temple. When the Jews were exiled into Babylonia, which was the Persian Empire, and there was a false start of return to Israel, to the Holy Land. And things were starting to look hopeless for the Jews. And so the, the Megillah describes even the banquet which that which people attended, that Ahasuerush threw, that big party, was an epic failure. What was it celebrating? It was celebrating the 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 70-year expiration that when the Jews were ostensibly supposed to be returning to Israel. That's what Ahasuerus was celebrating. Look, you see, he's going to continue with this, with, with the exile of the Jewish people, with their diaspora life. This was what they were celebrating. And then, as the light of Israel was just like that, diminishing and sputtering and, and calamity struck again, all of a sudden, you look at the story, out of nowhere, how the tide turns, how Haman rises to power and is downfall. Everything within the Purim story is, so to say, a camouflaging of the way God works within nature. Everything seems to be going wrong, socially, politically, physically. The Jews are, are worth dirt. Think about 70-something years earlier, they had their temple, the glamour of, of, of Jewish people. It was a far cry from what Shavuot celebrates at Mount Sinai. And in the face of all this, who wants to be Jewish? Haman is plotting to kill the Jews, the progenitor of the Nazis. And considering all of that, how the Jewish people regained their strength and their commitment to God and to the Torah and to the Jewish way of life. And there's a lot more to say about this, but we're going to have to wrap it up. But I'm, if you want, you could join me on Monday. Monday morning, 10 a.m., we have our Chabad Senior Zoom share. And everyone's welcome, regardless of your age and stage. And hopefully there, we could wrap up this point and appreciate that the the context, the place of the Purim story in Jewish history. And we can learn why this is such a powerful event that it's compared to even greater than when we accepted the Torah. And hopefully if we could appreciate that, we can understand why it is that these four mitzvahs of Purim, what makes them so unique and novel, and how they express and, and help us celebrate the unique mitzvahs of Purim which will do please God on Monday. Wishing you all a wonderful, celebratory, joyous Purim and looking forward to celebrate with you in every way possible. God bless you. Seize the moment. Don't wait till next week to be happy. Be happy today. God bless you all. Zaykazant. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.